Due to technical difficulties, only the second half of tonight's message was recorded. The Sound Booth team would like to convey our deepest apologies. The remainder of the conference is available on podcast, however, and we hope you'll be blessed by these sessions, as well as the portion of Friday night's message that's available. Thank you, and enjoy. reconciled to her king. The king traded his son's life for his bride, even though the bride had flaws and was rebellious. The son was perfect. He did nothing wrong, but still he traded his life for the bride's. So you see, the son was killed. He died a brutal death, but it didn't, it doesn't end there. He defeated death and rose up from the grave. He brought full restoration to the bride, and he was given a higher name. He became the king of kings. It is finished. Woo! Isn't that exciting? The Father gave his heart. He gave Jesus, and Jesus gave it all. Isn't that exciting for you? Because of his love for you, he held nothing back. That is passion. Passion, by definition, is to put as much heart, mind, soul, body, and soul into something as possible. That's the definition of passion. And he was passionate for you. He put it all He put it all in there for you. For you and for me, he didn't leave anybody out. He chose each and every one of you. He didn't go around playing bubblegum, bubblegum in a dish. (laughs) He chose you. He chose you. He didn't choose a nice little pastor's kid over there. Or the nice little kid that does everything right. He chose you. He had you in mind. If we can grasp that, that he chose you. He loved you despite of what happened to you. Despite of how you're created, how you're born, how you came into being. He chose you. You were chosen. Who is here tonight? It's you. It's you. Understand, it's you. This passion he has for us. Whew. Hebrews 12, 2. It says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding the shame. Think of all the hostility he endured from his peers. Think of the religious leaders who were, actually the religious leaders who were the pastors of that day and age. Of that time. Mockery. He is misunderstood. Public display of shame. They stripped his clothing. And he did it for this joy. He said, because of the joy awaiting him. He knew what was at the the other end of that cross, didn't he? 
He did it for joy. So not only does he love you, but you're his joy. You're his joy. He knew the outcome. Love, restoration, peace, and deliverance. That was pretty exciting. Next part in John 3.16, it says that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, believes means, not a drink of water, sorry. Okay, thank you. All right. I will tell jokes. It's okay to laugh. It's not like, like it's a good thing. Believes means an act of belief, not like a mental agreement. Okay. So let's say tomorrow, you know, that all the grocery stores are going to be closed for a month. Where would you be tonight? I would be standing in line somewhere, okay? (laughs) Because if that happened and I believed it, I really wouldn't be here. I mean, not that this isn't great. I love y'all, but I'm just saying, you know, okay. Belief is where our faith is. I will put into action my belief system. I live out what I actually believe. Like my life is lived. If I believe, that's how I'm going to live. Does that make sense? Do you get that? It's not like, I believe the clouds are cotton balls and someday I'm going to go jump on them. You know, it's not like this thing that's lofty high in the sky. It's like an actual walk. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, awesome. You know, the mind is an interesting thing. The mind is where our belief system starts. Do you know that? Okay, I'll tell you. What we think determines what we say. What we think actually determines how we act and how we react. Okay? Philippians 4.8 says, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, why in the world will it tell us to think about those things? Hold that thought. Okay. Just kind of think about it, but you know, okay. Um, When the Lord told me what was on his heart for this conference, um... I was reading, how many of you guys know the old Walt Disney, first of all, was a Christian? Do you guys know that? Okay, new info. The old, original Walt Disney was a Christian. So when I was praying about this conference, I had, I had, I knew that, and I was thinking about it. And the Lord had me to read the old um, Once Upon a Time books, the love stories. And um, and mainly it's interesting, too, the old Walt Disney, the old Cinderella stories all start with Once Upon a Time. But did you know that the new Walt Disney books do not start with Once Upon a Time? I saw it was interesting, really interesting. So he had me read just a few different books, and the Lord told me to pay attention to the similarities in the story. And so I was reading them, and... What I would see in these stories is I saw a princess taken away from her royalty home, a father who wanted her back, 
an evil stepmother or someone who is pretending to be her mother, a wicked lady, and the prince that would save her. So a lot of similarities in there. And so what I saw is I saw our Heavenly Father. I saw you. I saw me. I saw the church as a whole. And I saw Jesus and a story written well before Walt's time. But the evil stepmothers kind of confused me. <laughs> you know, I mean, God told me to look. I did look. And I'm like, I want to just pretend like it wasn't there. Did you guys do that? Let's just pretend like it's not there and it didn't happen, you know. And so I was like, Lord, what is this wicked stepmother? Like, we're not like wicked. I mean, I mean, we are or sin nature. Well, yeah, I understand that. But like, what, what is that? I'm not getting that. Then he showed me the part of our mind that correctly, correctly nourishes our thoughts has been taken hostage and the wicked stepmother has taken over. It's our mind. How many of you know that nobody is more against you than you? You are your worst enemy. Why do we even need the devil? We have ourselves, right? <laughs> In our minds. It's what you listen to. It's what we watch. It's the words that you allow to come into your mind. And that becomes more real than the cross. I used to have this fear of bad things happening to my family. Okay, my son's in the salon booth. Just do this, Grant. It's okay. No, just kidding. Okay. Used to have these fear of bad things happening when I was a younger Christian, a younger mom, and it kind of played out like this. I'd be thinking, what would happen? And we'd be driving down the road, you know, vacation, something like this. This, ha- this happened for real. I mean, it's happened lots, but this one particular time. Driving down the road, it's real quiet, and I start thinking, what if we're in a car accident? And like we die, everyone died but me. And then I had all these children to raise, and my husband would be gone, and it would be so horrible, and what would I do? What would my reaction be? Would I be in the hospital, and I'd wake up going, where's my family? And they'd say, oh, I'm sorry, honey, they're gone, you know? I used to think these, like, have these things, and I'd make myself cry. It didn't even happen, but it cried cry, you know? I'm like, oh, I'm so... But you know, what that did is it, br- it bred fear, fear into my thoughts. And I would love to tell you, I only did that once, but it's not true. I constantly had fear that I had a battle in my mind. Whether it was like, I know those ladies don't like me. I know I know they're talking about me. I know they are. I know they don't like me. You know? Oh, I know I bet I sound dumb. Oh, I bet I sound so dumb. Oh. I know oh, I just you know if, if I those thoughts of fear would just come into your my mind. You don't have to raise your hand, but you guys know what I'm saying? It's that wicked stepmother thing that comes in and steals. Instead of your mind being properly nourished, it lies to it and it takes it captive. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Okay, that's nice, Lisa. What does that look like? 
Well, that captive, that turn captive, you know, kind of like an army, military captive. And I know some of us are army, but not everybody. I'm more, I'm, I'm not really girly foo-foo, but I'm girly foo-foo enough that I don't want to be hot. I'm just, I don't want to be too dirty unless I'm with my horse, you know, or something like that. But it's like a, a captive, like when you take something captive and you hold it hostage. So <clears throat> what that looked like is when I started having those thoughts come into my mind, I would stop the thoughts. Wow, isn't that a revelation? <laughs> I would start thinking of things that were true. Like not making myself lie. You believe a lie. I would think of something that was true. Something that was just. Something that was pure. Something that was lovely. Something that was commendable. I'd think on excellent things. If there is anything worthy of praise, I would, I would stop and think about that. Like, no. I'm going to stop that train right there and I'm going to start thinking about something. And I just, I renounce that thought. That thought does not have part of my brain. I take it captive. Well, you know, when you're at war in the military, the more captives and hostages you get, like the better. It's like, woo, look what I got. Look at, I got all these people, you know. And so just as encouragement, I'd have to do that several times a day. But it wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't like, oh, here you go, Lisa. Can't get it right, can you? You're a failure. You're the... no. I would stop and say, I'm taking that thought captive. Look at all these thoughts that I stopped. Look at all that train that I stopped. You know, no more than my foolish mind controlling me. I have authority over it. Amen. That's how I did that. And then we also need the Word of God to cleanse our minds and put true thoughts in there. Anything that is not true, it's ungodly. And it needs to be taken captive. And you can think, well, it has a little bit of truth in there. No. Stop. Get your mind right and take it captive. The word of God cleanses our mind. The more we read our, the, blah, blah, blah. the more we read the word of God, the more it washes over us, the more we know what truth is. We can't know what truth is unless we know what the word of God says. So whoever believes in him, let's do that. Let's believe him rather than the evil, wicked stepmother. Are you with me? Let's set our minds and beliefs in him and live our lives as if God is true and the devil is a liar. This is my favorite part of John 3.16. My new favorite. He who believes in him shall not perish. Okay. I grew up in a certain denomination that we had to memorize these when we were a little, a little girl, you know. And we were taught this a lot. And and it doesn't even matter what denomination I was in because even people who are of different denominations, I've asked... Same thing. But when you think of the word perish, what do you think of? I'll tell you what I have thought of. That means when I perish, when I'm no longer here and I'm gone, that's what perish meant. Like, ah, you know, I perished. I took my last breath. Time to be with Jesus. Okay. 
Has anyone had this similar experience? I mean, I'm not going to be upset if you haven't now because I learned something. Okay, hallelujah. But perish, I'm going to tell you what perish actually means. Perish means to destroy. Perish means to render useless. Perish means to kill. And perish means to put to death. When you believe in him, you will not be a vessel of destruction. You will not be rendered useless. You will no longer have death, operate in this this bad mind death spot. You will not be rendered useless. Do you understand? This isn't about us dying and going to heaven. This is about us not being rendered useless. Like you're not, when we believe in him, we're no longer useless. No longer. We no longer walk in dead, sinful, harmful ways. It's gone. When we believe in him, that part of our life is over. We're not rendered useless anymore. You're useful. You're full of life. You're full of reconciliation. You're fruitful. Relationships around you will not be killed. You will be a fountain of life. Am I the only one getting this? I'm no longer useless. Jesus doesn't see me and think, oh, when you die, you can be with me. No, it starts right now. The more I believe, the more I can walk in that. The more I get this wicked stepmother in control, the more life that comes flowing through me and to others around me who I love. No more walking in death. That is so exciting. I'm excited. The more we believe, the more freedom we have, the more trust, the more love, the more victory. In our minds. In our minds. That's just exciting. Woo! Yes. And the last part of that verse. Woo. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But have eternal life. Eternal life means without beginning and without end. Like the eternal life does not start when we're dead. It starts when we accept, when we believe in Jesus. We accept him. That's when eternal life starts. And not only that, that means our past is gone. He sees us for the who, the, the now, and our past is completely gone. But one problem there is like, okay, how, it's not like Jesus has amnesia and he just forgets it, you know? It's like his choice. He chooses and he casts it away. And that's like, oh, that's really cool, but let me ask you, how many of you have forgotten about your past? Kind of a big old hook there in it. That's probably not even a big hook. It's probably like a little bit bigger you know it's our past it's our past that 
that catches up with us. It's our past that we choose to remember that the evil stepmother keeps bringing up in our mind to make us useless, to make us believe the wrong things. Put that last scripture up there for me. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's kind of a humbling verse, you know. Um, some of you guys have been, are like farmers' wives and maybe farmers. When you plow a field, my dad was a farmer, by the way. When you plow a field, you fix your eye on a certain point. And you stay there, okay? And you go straight. You have straight rows. You get as much crop in as you can. If you do this, how straight are those rows? You're going to miss the mark, aren't you? I had, (laughs) I've had the privilege of riding with with, um, several of my children who are learning to drive. I have six children, just to let you know. I have five boys and a little girl. And four of those children are actually driving right now. And I'm still alive and I still have hair. Okay. But with one of my children, I would have to say, we'd be driving, like, oh, look at that field. Isn't it pretty? No, let's not look at that field. Let's go back over here, honey. Oh, look at over here. No, darling. Uh, back over here. It was scary, you know. It was a very scary thing. But the, the, the point is to look, when we look and we fixate what's straight ahead of us and not look to see what you've done, where you've been. Like Jesus has made you clean. Jesus has made you whole. He only had to die for you once. He didn't have to die for you over and over again so you continue cleansing your sins. He forgave you. It's gone. Your past is gone. Do you understand, women of God? Your past is gone. No matter how ugly that that field is behind you, it's gone. It's in the past. So we need to fix our eyes straight ahead. Straight ahead. And look forward and don't look back. And keep going and keep going and keep going. We can't live in the past. So I ask you, what does love look, what does love look like? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing his death, so that one way or another I will experience a resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lie, 
oh, la, 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 forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. So you can't have love, you can't know love until you know the cross. It's all about the cross and understanding his love for you and what it cost him and forgetting the stuff that has lo- that lies behind and going forward. Seeing yourselves as valuable and as worth it and something that was created from love and out of love. Sisters, I ask you, it's t- tell you, it's time to awaken love. It's time to awaken love. Will you do that? You see, the choice is not, it is yours. It's not somebody else's. It's yours. Do you choose to awaken love? Do you choose to go forth in love? Do you choose to accept his full love for you? You know, as Christians, we are such, like I was saying, we're our worst enemy. And sometimes we can believe that God loves everybody else, but just not us. And so I just want to ask you all to stand, please. And I would like to ask the ministry team to go in its place. And can you go ahead and play some music lightly? Thank you. You see this this work of the cross. It's like all the time we are still learning and learning more about the cross. and, And no longer how long you've been a Christian. Love comes back to the cross. If you can't understand the cross, then you're not going to understand love. The more you understand the cross, the more you understand love. That love that he had wasn't free and it wasn't cheap. But it was for you and it cost him everything. And I'm asking you sisters, will you give everything for him? And will you awaken love? And will you choose love? I know your hearts, your, your life's been hard. I know some of you guys have gone through, sorry, but hell, seriously. I know your past has maybe been shameful, embarrassing. But it's time. It's time, ladies. It's time to wake up. It's time to return to the cross. It's time to return to Jesus. I just want to invite you for prayer. And prayer is not a scary thing. Go ahead, ministry team. You can come up here. I won't run over you. And um, it's not a scary thing. We just want to bless you and pray with you so that this love that Jesus has will be awakened. That you will awaken to his love. The name of the conference, Once Upon a Time, Awaken Love. And it's time to go there. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name.
I just thank you for every single person who's here, that you have called every person to be here on purpose, that it's not by accident that anybody is here, but you purposefully have brought them to this meeting. You have purposely have drawn them, them to, this, to this conference, God. And I just thank you for hearts tonight even being healed. I thank you for passions being awakened. And I thank you, Lord God, that we came from an intimacy within you, from an intimate place with you. That we were created in intimacy. And we came from an intimate place in your heart. Lord, just bless. We just ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Just come forward. If you want to receive prayer, ministry team, you know, guys know where your posts are supposed to be. Go ahead and go to your posts. And I just want to encourage you guys to come up in prayer. It's time to awaken love. And I'm just going to encourage you guys as, as people are being prayed for and they have uh, some worship going on. Just, just talk to the Lord. Just thank you for his love. Just thank you for his love. But come. We ask you to come. Thank you.